can sit down and say, I am a terrible sinner, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and I just want to be good. I just want you, Jesus, to cleanse me. That is a glorious day oh for my gosh. every person. That is the best day of your life. That's yeah. better than your birthday. That's <laughs> better than your baptism day right, if right. it wasn't meaningful. You know, hopefully that would happen first. But for most of us, when we're eight, we have no clue. Right. But right. that's that's your born again day, man. Yeah. And if it was <laughs> sincere, it's sincere. It's nothing to be repented of. No, that's the thing. It's like you're not you're not oh, it's just a pride thing. You're not putting yourself down. You're just stating what God has already said in the scriptures. We all fall short of the glory of God. You're no you're not more of a special sinner than anyone else. Right. <laughs> and your sins are not a surprise to you him. No, no. Yeah, he's, it's just he, like you know, just like the guy with pornography problems or whatever. Here's this Jew admitting it across the world that he yeah. wasn't. He didn't even know was. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Guys, everybody. I mean, there's sins that we're all. Um, it's amazing. It, well, it, it, God created them. The scriptures actually say so. It's not like we can kind of surprise them with it. How fallen we are. You know, uh, when we were talking last time too, you you asked a question, Mike, that stuck with me, and you said, "So why the Book of Mormon?" and you know, a, a story uh, from my past, it was this, a, a good friend of mine, uh, when we were young, uh, we were pheasant hunting with my dad, and my, my friend uh, didn't have a hunting license, so he just went along, and we didn't have a dog with us either, so he decided he was going to be the dog. It was kind of funny. My dad and I hunting with the guns, and my friend going around barking. It was kind of a, a hoot, but as he's kind of in front of us being a uh, just kind of a joker. Um, we're on this dirt road in the woods and all of a sudden my friend finds a wallet and the wallet is laying on the ground. And now you ask this question. So what are the Jews going to respond to? What are they, what are they going to, why, why the book of Mormon? What's, what's going to be the, the thing that gets them interested and, and what does it share that the Bible doesn't? Well, so my friend finds this wallet and my friend, to put this in perspective, grew up very, very poor. He, he grew up in a single-family home in a, in a day when they weren't so common. And his his mother worked really, really hard, but they, they never had anything. And he finds this wallet, and there's money in it. And he's like, oh, my gosh, there's money in this. And he looks at the wallet, though, and he sees an ID. And back in, you know, these days, there weren't cell phones, there wasn't internet, there wasn't anything, but we we're out in the woods and here he finds this wallet. And obviously some other hunter had been out in the woods at some point and lost his wallet. And, and by the ID, this guy lived at least three hours away from where this was. So it wasn't even local. So my, my friend though wants to do the honest thing, but I, I knew that there was uh, even a little temptations like, well, Hey, you know, there's a bunch of money. The guy's never going to find this thing again. I'm here in the woods. No one's ever going to know. But he does the right thing. Now, in these days, to call someone who lived three hours away, uh, not like you can just dial anyone on the phone and have it be free like it is with our cell phones now. It's called long-distance calling back then. And in and my friend didn't even have the ability to make a long-distance phone call. So in those days, what you had to do, you called an operator, and you asked to make a collect call. And my, my friend gets an operator, and he has this guy's name, and in uh, with his ID, there's a there's a home phone number, and he asks the operator if, if she'll call this number. And the way a collect call used to work is, 
the operator would actually answer the phone when the person on the other end picks up and say, hey, I have so-and-so, this person wants to talk to you, collect call, will you accept the charges? And you're not supposed to say anything until they do. Well, so this operator, this operator picks up, you know, the call. He says, I need to make a collect call of this guy down in Detroit, actually. And, and, um, and this stranger on the other end, here's the operator say, I have a collect call from Mr. And he names my friend's name. Will you accept the charges? And the guy's like, I don't know who that is. No, I don't think I will. And my friend who wasn't supposed to talk yet, but who could hear this going on say, and this guy's right about to hang up the phone and, and he just squeaks right in there before the operator cuts off and says, please tell him it's about his wallet. And the guy all of a sudden says, oh, my wallet. And he says, I want to talk to you. And so, <laughs> so then my friend explains how he found the wallet <laughs> and how there was um, money in it and everything was apparently intact. This guy is so thankful. He is like, and, and to my friend who literally had nothing, he tells him, keep a certain quantity of money actually that was in it. He said part of it to just put the wallet in a box and mail it to me, but keep the rest for a reward. He said, I didn't know what I was going to do with others. So, so my friend ends up with a fistful of money and ends up doing a good deed. But the point was, and, and I, I, this man was just about ready to cut off the conversation until he heard there was something really, really valuable that he didn't know this guy was going to tell him about. That's what the Book of Mormon is to the Jews. We have something, and the revelation is who Jesus Christ is. And, and the revelation is who all their laws pointed towards. And they think they don't need to hear from someone because we're a stranger, but it's like, no, we have the answer to all these things that made the fabric of your history, that not just your history, that is you. This, this whole Torah pointed towards Yeshua, the Messiah. Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Hello, welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. A couple, uh, couple of days ago, I told Corey, I said, man, I love a good story. We should start starting off with a story. And here today, Corey starts off with an awesome story. That was a great story, man. Snuck <laughs> one in on you. Yeah. So that what a great way to uh, get across the point. That 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 really is picturesque. I mean, this great treasure of who Jesus is in the Book of Mormon, and you know there may be that temptation to cut it off, to uh, to not give any heed to it, to listen to the naysayers, to listen to the devil and all of his work that he does to keep you away from it. And yet, within is this beautiful, beautiful treasure. Corey, it was some time ago you were teaching a class. And you came across this, um, well, you, you basically put together a list of names of God in the Old Testament. And then you went to the Book of Mormon and found those same names, and you brought out some clarification on those names and how they were woven together. And I want to take time today to go through those. I don't care if we go through every single one of them, but at least go through a good portion of those and just show us in the Old Testament, bring up some of those names that refer to God 
and then bring in the Book of Mormon and show clarification. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because in that, and we can maybe link to this. Is this online? Yeah, anywhere? yeah, yeah. We can. It it is online, and so um, in fact, I I just put it online again the other day. If you're at RestoredGospel.com, just look on the right sidebar. You'll see a link that just says "Who is Jesus," and you'll see this uh, table that we're kind of comparing. Okay, perfect. It's there, um, but we can link it in the show notes. But so you know, it's interesting is because in in studying, sometimes it's like the things you learn about are not the things you were looking for. It's the things you learned and root looking up other things. That's, yeah, you, know? you, you, you uh, let me tell you, you're the king of that. Yeah. Like, hey, Corey, find us a good restaurant to eat at on Yelp. Okay. Hey, did you know BYU's got a university? And it's just like, I'm like, how in the You'll send me something, and I'm like, how in the world did you get to there from there? But, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, so it, it's funny because uh, that that process you described, I, I think it was even the other way around. I think I was reading in the Book of Mormon, and then all of a sudden I'm reading a couple terms where it's calling Jesus. It says Jesus was the Holy One of Israel. And I'm thinking, where did I hear Holy One of Israel before? Okay. And so I started Scripture search, and I realized that was the name that Isaiah used that was one of his favorite descriptions, but he wasn't telling the people I'm talking about Jesus. He's saying, I'm talking about your God who led you through the wilderness, Israel, the one who was the flaming fire by night and the cloud by day. I'm calling him the Holy One of Israel. Well, the Book of Mormon authors say that's Jesus. I mean, just just as one of them. Okay, let's, let's give... Uh... Can you give references for that first yeah, first couple? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of where it started. Okay. In fact, and and we may not even need to do references. Yeah, since no. This is, we, we, let's it, just yeah. Let's kind, just we'll just kind of throw some of them out. We'll tell you what you know, just off the top of your head, without even looking. I mean, if someone said, "Hey, hey, Mike, what's a name for God that you know of in in, in the Bible?" You know, or just a name for God. What would you say? I mean, how mm-hmm. how do you refer to God? Yeah, uh, Father. The Father, right? Yeah, or God, right? God. Or um, so he created the earth, so we call him creator, creator right? Um, there's this one word. Sometimes it's I think Greek, and you it's, it's alpha is the first part, and then there's alpha and omega, alpha and omega, beginning right? Beginning in the end, beginning in the end, right? Um, you you also uh, there's the word that it's the meaning for all powerful, the Lord omnipotent, omnipotent right? Right. All these are from the Bible. These are descriptions from the Bible. Um, eternal God is is a term that's used. There's uh, other terms of just saying, I am, the great I am. The great I am. Right. That's, that's the fun one. Yeah. Right. Uh, he is the, the rock, you know, that he was the rock of heaven. The the And so many, many terms. Uh, the Holy One of Israel is one we already called, but even just the maker. A lot of times maker. they do the, uh, they refer to other great man, uh, so you know which God they're talking about, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, God. yeah. So they... They pull out, um, you know, because back then there were there were many gods that were worshipped. Not so much, you know. I don't hear about our neighbors down in Buckner worshiping Baal or anything like that today. But back then there was cultures next door that had their own gods, you yeah. know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, the God of Abraham, yeah. Isaac and Jacob, just so you know who we're talking about. Yeah. So so all those and so in this, you can go through the Bible and you kind of see all these different terms, um, where. Just to take one of them, just as far as like the Lord omnipotent or the creator, um, Isaiah says in, in Isaiah 40, 
and then Matthew says this in Matthew 23, uh, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. I mean, wow, what a powerful description of God. That's from Isaiah 40, verse 28 in the Inspired Version. And in Matthew 26, so you get this word again regarding the creator. And call no one your creator upon earth or your heavenly father, for one is your creator and heavenly father, even he who is in heaven so that's from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Both references calling from Matthew 26 or Isaiah 40, uh, Matthew 23 rather, both calling God the creator. Your creator and heavenly father. That's interesting. Call no one your creator on earth or your heavenly father, for one is your creator and heavenly father, even he who is in heaven. Isn't that's, that something? Isn't it's powerful. I mean, it's so specific yeah. and it's so clear. But so then... You flip over to the Book of Mormon. Oh, this is just incredible when you see this lined up. Yeah, amazing. 2 Nephi 6.10, For it behooveth the great creator, and it doesn't say that he sends someone else to be subject to man in the flesh. It says, It behooveth the great creator that he suffereth himself to become subject unto men in the flesh and and die die for all men. Who's that? Sound like who does that sound yeah, like? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or how about Mosiah one verse one hundred two? Do you have that one, Mike? Yeah, he shall be called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father, ooh, the Father of heaven and earth, the Creator of all things from the beginning, and his mother shall be called Mary. Yeah, I mean, it, every he will be Jesus Christ, the Son, the Father of heaven, the Creator of all things. So all of a sudden, Isaiah is talking about the Creator of the ends of the earth, and and. Matthew records, hey, don't call anyone your creator except the one who is. I mean, but what does the Book of Mormon say? So Helaman 566, and also that you might know that the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, the creator of all things from the beginning, that you might know the signs of his coming to the intent that you might believe on his name. And who's speaking of this right now, Helaman 5? It's Samuel, the Lamanite, standing on the walls, telling the Nephites about who is about to come to, to them five years before Jesus is born. Mm-hmm. He's saying, this is so that you will know that the Creator is about to come. Samuel the Lamanite, a prophet from the wicked group of people, coming to talk to the chosen people and tell them what they need to know. Yeah. See, and here, here it comes again, exactly, because... All of a sudden, we have people who didn't know Christ in our day. And if you didn't hear the previous podcast, I'd encourage you to to back up and, and hear the previous one, the testimony of James Tour, one of many Jews who are having a testimony of who Jesus is. And he says, our perfect God came down and sacrificed himself for us. Yeah, and And, and so now all of a sudden, the Jews are telling us who Christ is, who God is. Just like the Lamanites, just like Samuel the Lamanites standing on the wall, the people who are the filthy outcast mm-hmm. coming back and telling the Nephites, by the way, the creator of heaven and earth is about to appear in the flesh to you. Yeah, so here we take one word, the creator, well, actually two words, and the heavenly father, and then we go over to the Book of Mormon and we, we see further light shed on these that the great creator suffers himself to become subject unto the flesh. So we take this word that we refer to God in the Old Testament, and then we, I mean, there's no doubt who that is. The creator that suffereth himself to become subject unto men in the flesh, die for all men, Jesus. 
And then we, we see further light, Jesus Christ, Son of God, but also the Father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. So um, don't get, we focus on the Son of God, but make sure you also include the other terms right there, the creator, the Father of heaven and earth. So not trying to, I'm not even going to be silly enough to think that through words, um, anybody can get this uh, understanding, but we're just wanting to point out what the words say. The understanding's up to the Holy Spirit and Revelation. That's right. nothing. We're, right. We've seen too many people fight over that. Right. But let, let's let's move on to another. Term. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, how about the the Lord Omnipotent? Okay. Um, uh, Revelation nineteen six. What does that one say, Mike? And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The mighty God, the all-powerful God reigns. That's in Revelation, you know, kind of the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And and so all of a sudden we, we get, you know, angels praising because the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Yeah, so the Bible calls God the Lord Omnipotent. Right, and then we have this guy we all love and respect, although we haven't met him, and King Benjamin speaking to his people, and he's speaking in in Mosiah chapter 1, uh, verse 97 in the RLDS version, and he's explaining to people again. And now now put this in perspective, uh, because I know we've all, we've talked about it before, but remember, we have the perspective of Scripture now, where we know about Jesus and we've read about Jesus, mm-hmm. but when the people of the day were hearing these words for the first time, it was the first time. And so King Benjamin's sharing what an angel shared with him. I mean, <laughs> I can't, it's just, it's almost like it's not fair because, you know, I just grew up where I knew about God before I was even old enough to know that I had a brain to know things, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's given to you when you're so little. It's like as you learn language, when you have good parents that take you to church, it's just a part of your culture. But I, every time you say that, they're hearing this for the first time. Can you imagine, Corey, just sitting here and all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, everything you see around you that was created. This guy's going to come down here and put on <laughs> flesh and blood like you. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and they they had no reason, I guess, to doubt it, although some may have. But it was so clear how it was described. Mosiah 197, King Benjamin tells this group of people who are being moved by the power of the Holy Ghost, literally, for behold, the time cometh and is not far distant that with power... The Lord omnipotent, so so don't forget, that's the word we're comparing back to Revelation 19.6, the Lord omnipotent reigneth. So now Benjamin's saying, the Lord omnipotent who reigneth. who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity. Now, who is that right now? He's talking about God the Creator from all eternity. Shall come down from heaven among the children of men and shall dwell in a tabernacle of clay. Means a Tabernacle body of, of clay, yeah, wow, wow. A, a body like ours, and and so and he continues and he continues to use this two more times. It, Mosiah one verse one sixteen, and he says, "Moreover, I say unto you, there's no other name given or any other means whereby salvation can come to the children of men. 
only in through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. So he says the name of Christ is what he's going to be called in the flesh. This is how you're going to know. But men will drink damnation to their own souls. I'm jumping jumping to 118. Yeah, that's well, that's a right here's a scripture we have used many times in our podcast. Men drink damnation to their own souls. Yeah. 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 Go ahead and finish that one. Well, because yeah, Christ Christ pays the price and, and we know through the scriptures, especially in the Book of Mormon, you know, little children who die who aren't baptized, you know, people that don't have the law that die, they're gonna have all have a chance to respond to the law as as men in the flesh. So we know that they're all taken care of. Uh, but it says men drink damnation to their own souls, except they humble themselves and become as little children and believe that salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord omnipotent. Yeah, that's, uh, that's beautiful. In last episode, we were talking about, you know, how even with these Jewish scholars who have come to know Christ, start presenting the Old Testament, it's still not super clear. But can, I mean, you don't get any, oh, I mean, imagine if the Old Testament over there, the Jews were reading it, what? Right. Oh, his name is Christ. Mm. Mm, mm. I mean, this goes as far as, as, as yeah, it's, so there's no mistaking here that God is going to come down, tabernacle of clay, Christ, believe in him, that's how you're saved. Oh, yeah. it's just a different gospel than you find in the Bible. Well, it, it's so, not not different gospel. It's just a uh it's just presented clearly. It's so clear. Yeah. And you know, we got to remember a couple things too that are are worth pointing out that hey, the Book of Mormon came to the Gentiles to be the pure word of Christ back to us so that we couldn't make any mistake. You know, even, you know, the Doctrine and Covenants revelations and things like that came came later, came after. A lot of things that people did came after. But never forget what came first here. And and this revelation, you know, these people, they're living in the times um, when Israel, you know, Benjamin lived, I don't know, 100 or so years before Jesus, 200 years, somewhere in there. But in those period, it was the dark spiritual ages of the people in Israel. I mean, they they claimed no prophet spoke to them since Malachi, and it was 400 years until Jesus came. So here these people in Israel are kind of in darkness, and over here in, in America, they're receiving this direct light. It's pretty amazing. And they're they're realizing that this same God who had led the people you know, all these times is the one who's going to come down. You know what, Corey, and this is why I didn't want to skip any of these. I don't know if it's this way for you. I imagine it is. But when you get to these scriptures who are actually just mentioning Jesus, like it just never gets old for me to hear it. And it's mm-hmm. so, it's like a thrill almost to read it again. Isn't I mean, it something? And that's why I don't want to, I don't really want to skip any of these. Can I, can I read 321? Please, yeah. Let's, let's listen to this. So again, Revelations calls God, Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Book of Mormon, Mosiah 3.21, I would that you should be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in good works, that Christ, the Lord God omnipotent, may seal you his, that you may be brought to heaven, that you may have everlasting salvation and eternal life through the wisdom and power and just justice and mercy of him who created all things in heaven and in earth, who is God above all. Amen. Amazing. That is quite a uh, description of the Lord God omnipotent. Wow. And mentioned in the Bible, 
mentioned here again, but with with even a clearer uh, understanding and expression of who that is. Yeah, there was no no doubt. Um, I, and I know it's kind of like every one of these is kind of like, you know, when you're working on a puzzle and then all the pieces are kind of scattered, but then pieces start to fall into place. And it all of a sudden you, you get this little one where at first, you know, they were all kind of this confusion, but then you start finding pieces and it's obvious. Oh, I see where this one's going. This has to fit here now. And all these pieces start to fit together. And it gives you this kind of warm feeling inside when the puzzle's starting to take shape because it's easy to figure out where the pieces go. When, when you come to this realization, it's easy to start seeing where the scriptures go with all of this. Well, yeah, and so then I'm just looking at your little your, your diagram here. So then when you, when you look at the Bible, now it's a little easier because, uh, you know, Isaiah, now Isaiah 9-6, this, this clears up some things here just in the Bible. It says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of, there's just in the Bible, I mean, ask someone about that. That's, that's Isaiah prophesying, and then you go to Genesis, and it says, I am the beginning and the end, the Almighty God. Well, then you jump over to Isaiah, and it says this little baby that's going to be born is going to be called the Mighty God. Isn't that something? Yeah. You know, so so the they, everlasting Father. Yeah. So they called him the everlasting Father to realize who he was. They called him Jesus when he was in the flesh, and that's that's the simple story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I just I think we're doing a good job, but like we said, we this is a mystery without uh, a good brother said the other day, there's no precedent. I mean, we can't compare this to other things. You try to make analogies like, you know, ice and water and gas and all this. There's no precedent for this. And so I just like presenting these, mm-hmm. just presenting this information. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the scripture in the Bible it says, no man knows this unless it's revealed to him by the Holy. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably worth bringing up. I mean, this uh, it's Luke 10. Let me see if I can find it real quick. This, uh, no man knoweth that the Father is the Son, and the Son is the Father, save him to whom the Son will reveal it. Now, that's that's kind of a powerful thing to, to consider that maybe all this comes back to, uh, I'll, I'll read the, the Scripture uh, directly. It's Luke 10, verse 23 in the Inspired Version. Um, no man knoweth that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son, but him to whom the Son will reveal it. I guess that's what I, I stated. Mm-hmm. This this is um, part of this. It, it doesn't mean that it's a secret that God's not going to tell you. It, it speaks to something a, a little bit differently. And, and where, where I think this is important is, remember this day when Jesus is asking the disciples, hey, who do men say that I am? You know, and the and the disciples start answering. Well, some say you're, you know, Elias. Some say you're this, but then Jesus turns to them and say, "Yeah, but who do you say that I am?" Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what is the response when when they ask that question? Uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Yeah, and then what what does he say after that? Well, he tells them flesh and blood doesn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Is yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so here's the point. We have taken this scripture and 
taken it and, and tried to squeeze some minutia truth out of this and missed a huge gem because there's a statement by Jesus after he says, you're blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this, but my father in heaven, this is what Luke 10 is saying. He said, if you want to know who Jesus Christ is, he said, this is a personal thing that God will do and does do with everyone individually. He reveals the truth of who Jesus Christ is by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that one of those, like when, when that happens to each individual, to me, I picture that that's that moment where you're, you've just plucked fruit from a tree and you're taking a bite of it. I think that revelation is tied up with forgiveness and delight above all delight because at that moment you realize that your creator loved you so much that he died for you, you know, that he took on flesh and blood, that he knows what it's like, that what you've gone through. I mean, all of those things compound into one great word picture of just your soul is filled. Yes. As you become, as Jesus is revealed to you, your soul is filled and you will never hunger or thirst. And it's, it's a revelation that you don't, that you don't read about or your mind doesn't just comprehend, but it's something much deeper, right? It's just, it goes much deeper than that. Yes. <clears throat> this, um, this scripture is interesting because Luke 10 says, Hey, no one knows that the father is the son and the son is the father unless Jesus reveals, or it says the son reveals. And then it's interesting because this scripture from Matthew 16 says, Hey, you know this because the father revealed it to you, you know, and, and this is, the point is that God will reveal to, to each of us individually by his power who he is and, 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 and this life-changing force that he wants you to be a part of and have called the, the Holy Ghost. What, what is interesting is what we missed is we tried to say when he said, and on this rock will I build my church, well, we grabbed this little snippet, the word rock and build and revelation. He said, see, oh, well, see, he uses revelation, and our church has revelation. See our doctrine and covenants. This proves that we're the right church because we have revelation. It's like, no, we, we missed the point. The, the point isn't just that, hey, we have revelation. The point is that God reveals who he is to us. That's how he builds his church. His church is built by people who have the revelation of who he is. Right. right? Right. right. And that's that's what's happening with the people in Israel, for instance. Well, and what why is it important for for this? Because the Israel, the Hebrews, and I'm not a I'm not an expert, but they come from what I've read, they come from a culture where there were many gods that were worshipped, and it was very important to them to know there was one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were warned not to follow the gods of Baal and all of the other gods of their enemies. One God. Yes. So that's why it's important for them to know that Jesus Christ was God, that he was that God that they crucified. Yes. So we don't want them to think that, um, you know, that we're teaching a, a uh, doctrine of many gods. Yes. One God. And that's why it's easy. It's easy for them to, you know, that's why they were saying that it was blasphemy when Jesus was was, uh, you know, you're, what do you mean God? There's only one God. You're blasphemy. You can't call yourself. Exactly. You can't do that. Well, there's the one God, and he, he was Abraham's God, and you're trying to say you're him. Right. So can we go on? Let's go through some more of these because I, I think it's it's just exciting and effective. What what other words? Were yeah. We... So, so <clears throat> this uh, huge description of God comes at us in multiple places in the Bible where 
Uh, Exodus, for instance, uh, 2, when the Israelites were under bondage to Pharaoh, Exodus 2.24 says, God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob. And so in Exodus 3, so he says, I remember this covenant. Then in Exodus 3, all of a sudden, God says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on God. I mean, here right. Here this is have, God. Here we have what the burning bush, you know, type uh, uh, situation, and mm-hmm. so that, and it continues. And and he said, "Hey, that they might believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of again Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared to you." He keeps mentioning this over and over and over. So we know that's got to be the great I am, right? So read read one more because this is great. Exodus six three. Yeah, yeah. Read that one. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Ooh, Jacob. Wow! I am the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jehovah, and was not my name known unto them? Oh, the Lord Jehovah. I mean, that was the word that they weren't even allowed to just say. You couldn't just mm-hmm. say that without great meaning. You couldn't say that just willy-nilly. That was a sin in itself to use the word. So he's saying, I am the Lord Jehovah. Okay, so that was in Exodus uh, 6.3. Um, and, and in Acts, we see this again, Acts 3 and Acts 7, both chapters, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and, and they're recounting these things that happened with Moses. So the Book of Mormon, I just, I just love how clear this is. So really- 600 years before Jesus, we have 1 Nephi 5, 240. <laughs> What's going on here is... The, remember this condescension of God, right? This whole idea that God was going to do something great for man. Nephi writes this, 1 Nephi chapter 5, verse 240, Yea, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and the God of Jacob yieldeth himself according to the words of an angel as a man into the hands of wicked men to be lifted up according to the words of Zenoch, who was one of the prophets. Yeah. Yeah. Zena. And later on, we read in Alma um, where they they talk again about God being angry, and they quote again the words of uh, oh, yeah, Zena, where he says, uh, is, is God not merciful to you because of the Son? Have you not read the words of Zena where he is merciful to you because of the Son? Well, here they're saying uh, that this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Same words of, yeah. And, and in the Bible, they even says, hey, this is Jehovah, just in case, you know, that was the all-powerful God. And so... So Nephi is saying that guy, the all-powerful one, yields himself as a man into the hands of wicked men to be lifted up, and and that the prophets, you know, are had foretold this. Mormon in the end of the Book of Mormon concludes, he sa- he says, hey, if you want to see how this is going to end, I'm going to show you that. And this is Mormon 470, uh, chapter four, verse seventy. Behold, I show unto you a God of miracles even the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And it is that same God who created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. And I, I want to read the next one. It says, Behold, he created Adam, and by Adam came the fall of man, and because of the fall of man came Jesus Christ, even the Father and the Son. And because of Jesus Christ came the redemption of man. Yes, yes. Isn't that just, it's like... yeah. <laughs> This whole now, this is probably a good point because the Mormon 471, which you, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that in, 
ties into one of the greatest definitions that we get through the Book of Mormon, and it's it's really never contained in the in the Bible. Well, people say, well, but I mean, Jesus is his son, right? Because, for instance, you have this great analogy of Abraham offering up his son Isaac, and so you have a father offering his son, and God is the father, and Jesus is the son, and Jesus called himself the son, and he said, I have this father, and all these things. And it's like, how could he pray to himself? You know, we, we, we bring up these questions. If he was the same person, that just that just goes beyond our, our, our infinite apparent minds. This is explained so clearly in the Book of Mormon, and this is the this is the best place, and it's worth turning to this, even if you're just listening. Uh, come back and, and pick up this in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Mosiah, it's chapter 8, and there's a passage of verses that starts about, oh, you can, you can pick it up in um, verse 28, but, but the context of this is... Well, I was going back to 13. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, because it's all here. Now, you know, this is Abinadi's words, and, and, and we might as well start at 13, but... In Mosiah 5, I won't go there, but, you know, this story is kind of told by some Nephites who end up hearing about the fact that a prophet had come to King Noah's people, and they kill him, and they say, and they killed him because he said that God himself would come down among the children of men. Well, well, Abinadi is now speaking to King Noah's people. Now, King Noah was the wicked guy, and the people of King Noah's court were wicked priests. They had been indulging themselves and just living the good life off the people, there, there wasn't anything spiritually good about them, apparently. But Abinadi sent to them, and that's the part that, you know, you think, why? What was God's purpose? Well, apparently, we're going to find out that it, maybe it was just sing, a single person who had to hear the word. But they end up killing. To put this umbrella over everything, Abinadi says, they wanted to find something they could accuse him of. And he shares a chapter or two of information and what they end up doing is killing him for stating that God himself would come down among the children of men. That's that's what brings him to his death. Blasphemy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and they but this is what he said. And so in in Mosiah chapter eight, he he even goes back through the law and he says, Hey, you had this law of ordinances and performances that you were supposed to keep as the law of Moses said, have you been doing these things? And they say, yeah, we keep all those things. And then he says in verse nine, do you understand the law? And then he says in verse 10, he said, those people in Israel didn't understand the law because of the hardness of their hearts. These are the types of things that the wallet story are going to make sense to the Jews. They're going to hear this and they're going to say, wait, wait, this is what I need to understand. All those performances and ordinances that they were supposed to keep day to day, that the rabbis just thought that brought salvation. He said, these were types of things to come, symbols. He said, did they understand? He said, no, they did not understand that any man could be saved except it was through the redemption of God. In verse 10, he said, Moses prophesied concerning the coming of a Messiah that he would redeem his people. And he said, haven't all the prophets spoken of these things? And then this is verse 13. Now, how did a farm boy in New York in the 1800s know this? I mean, the rabbis for 2,000 or more years didn't get this. But this is what it says. Have not they said, the prophets, that God himself should come down among the children of men and take upon him the form of man 
and go forth in mighty power on the face of the earth. I mean, he's saying this is what all the prophets have been saying. And God himself, I'm not, that's not my words. That's what the scripture says. God himself would come down among the children of men, take on the form of man, and go forth in mighty power on the earth. Haven't they not said that he would bring to pass the resurrection of the dead, that he himself would be oppressed and afflicted? So who are they talking about? They're talking about Jehovah, right? The great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the Lord God omnipotent, the Father, the Creator, all these words we've already defined in the Bible. That's the one who is going to come down. And then he goes back and he compares Isaiah, which it's he's quoting from Isaiah 53, the part that the Jews pulled out, saying he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. So now they're tying in this one that the Jews could had to look the other way. They said, no, 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 this can't be the Messiah. But then you know what Abinadi does? He brings it right back. And when you see what happens when he finishes quoting Isaiah, he says this, jumping down to verse 48. Uh, everything in the middle there was, was Isaiah. And now in verse uh, 28, rather, Abinadi said unto them, I would that ye should understand that God himself shall come down among the children of men and shall redeem his people and because he dwelleth in the flesh, he shall be called the Son of God. Now, that's powerful understanding right there. I'm going to read it again. Because he dwells in the flesh, he shall be called the Son. You see, it is not as people in certain areas of the Restoration want to believe that, hey, there was a Mr. God and a Mrs. God, and they had a baby God, and they called him Jesus, and Jesus had this brother and Satan. No, this refutes all of that, that there was one God, and he himself took on flesh and became the sacrifice. That, that's why there can be no Jesus and, and Satan were brothers type thing, because it was God the Father. It took an eternity. Eternal, infinite payment, and there was only one who could do it. But Benedict continues to say, so first, he's called the son because of the flesh, not because of a biological relationship with his dad. And then verse 30, having subjected the flesh to the will of the father, being the father and the son. So, So the father assumes flesh and is called the son. That's what the relationship is. But the son, because he's got the will of the flesh, just like you and I, Mike, you know, our will of our flesh takes over, and that's why we fall into sin. But he says, but he yields to the father, and he becomes be conceived by the power of God into flesh, and because of the flesh, he became the father and the son. One God, the very eternal of God of heaven and earth. But the whole thing is... He didn't yield to the flesh the way we did, and that's the difference. So God's spirit in the body of a man, verse 31, and they are one God, the very eternal Father of heaven and earth. So verse 28 through 31 describe why he's called the Son. Why? That's because he took on the flesh. And it's not a big, it's interesting because all we need to do as a people is, is know these scriptures, be willing to point them out and just take a deep breath and say, this is a huge mystery. This is a huge mystery. I trust that God will reveal this to me when the time is right. It's obviously very important, especially to the culture of the Jews and the Hebrews, um, to know that one God 
Abraham, I'm very much ingrained in their culture. It's important for us to be able to point them to the scriptures and, and let them read it. Yes. And um, not fight over <clears throat> trying to convince one another, three or one or whatever. And that's what I don't want to do. And that's all we, we just need to point out these words. And that's what we need to do. And if someone has had a testimony, fine, but point out these words, let people read it, let these the Jews be able to see, this is interesting that Isaiah is in here when they, they didn't know what to do with that. Um, but it's interesting to me how many times this subject comes up that this, there's no doubt there's a spirit present and it's a, just an angry spirit and it wells up in the hearts of the brothers and sisters of the church and they get into an angry debate and people have divided over this subject. And I don't, I think that's cr- absolutely crazy. Something so, so beyond our <laughs> limitations right, of right. flesh and blood to understand right. that we would be that angry with one one another. Can we just read the words for what they are exactly. and have an open mind and an open heart? That's I mean, the words are there. We didn't put them there. Yeah, but yeah. let's not condemn one another because someone thinks they know this better. This is a very without precedent. This is a very unique concept. Yeah, so. it, it is. And I, I so appreciate that, Mike. I mean, you bring clarity and, and harmony to this is that, uh, like you just said, and just echo, just take a breath, take a deep breath and just say, this is the word of God right here. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, like you've witnessed, you see people get up in arms, you see anger expressed, you see people walk out of a class or church service and they claim they're not coming back and you know, all this. And it's like, Let's let's not divide over the word, but let's let's pray that we'll understand. But I will add this: <clears throat> we can pray and argue and say, "Well, we just have to leave it unsettled because the scriptures say things different ways." Well, I'll tell you this: the people who are coming to Christ who've never heard of Christ, they're reading this, and they're and they might be getting it from the Bible, but the revelation is that God sacrificed for them. As James Tour said in the in the previous episode that we share, he said the perfect God came down for me. So, so in this, you know, and Abinadi just continues to explain beautiful, beautiful. Uh, he, he gives beautiful clarity and understanding. So the flesh, the human flesh that God's spirit inhabits, becomes subject to God. And it suffered temptation, but it didn't yield to temptation. It was mocked. It was scourged, cast out, disowned. And after all this stuff, people said that he was a crook and a criminal. And so what does he do? This God spirit in the body of a man goes before a sheep like the shear, like they go before the shear and they're dumb. I've got a story about that sometime too, tell you about sheep shearing. But this whole thing was he, the will of the flesh did not overcome the will of the Father. The, the will of the Son, the, the, because all of us, because of the f- will of the flesh. And, and Mike, this is one of these questions people throw up. Well, how could he have been God if he was praying to himself? Who was up in heaven? This demonstrates something much more basic. And, and notice that the writers of the Book of Mormon never even bothered going to try to explain these things. They just do as you said. They just, just read the Scripture. But it, it points this out. You overcome the will of the flesh through prayer. 
And this is why, this is, if for no other reason, why Jesus is demonstrated praying so much, praying for hours at night, getting up early in the middle of the night and going and praying, and they find him alone in the, in the mountain praying. Because that's the only way our spirit can overcome our own flesh is to pray unto the Father. And for Jesus, God's spirit and a body, it was no different. If you have a spirit inhabiting a body of flesh, you have to pray. Right. Jesus being an example. Showing, right. Yeah, because you know. it's like, you know, you think about the other time, of all the people on the earth who, who didn't need baptize, baptism, he was the one, but he did it anyhow, right, to show us the way. So the same is true with prayer. But for some reason, that stymies people. They think, oh, well, it, it, it can't, he couldn't have been God. He was praying to himself. That just sounds ridiculous. And then they, they kind of just let it all go. Don't don't stop there. Yeah, they people, I'm sure they have good intentions. They, they just, I don't understand the anger, though. And so right. to me, that shows that there's a spirit that would cause someone to be so angry and adamantly defend something. And, and you can, I don't. I don't um, fault people for asking those questions because that does seem like a, a weird thing and what a weird way to, to describe something to us. And so, yes, there, that question is there. Why would Jesus pray to himself? That, that's an excellent answer that you just gave. But at the same time, if you're going to ask that question, then you have to go to places like Ether, like 177, where it says, Behold, I am he who is prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. Wow. You can't be angry uh, and and get all riled up because, well, Jesus would never pray to himself and then not look at another scripture like this, which mm. is so very, I mean, can you write that any clearer? I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. Mm. Wow. So ask your questions. That's what God wants us to do. Seek it out. He presented this in a way. I always put it back on him. It's like, you created me. If you're going to make a fun little puzzle, then I that I know you're going to help me understand the puzzle. Can I but, buy a vowel yeah, or something yeah. here, right? But I know one thing you told me not to do, and that is that I can't hate my brother. I can't be angry with my brother, oh, or I might wow, as well be murdering wow. him, right? So, wow. so if you want to figure out the puzzle, you got to do it in a way that you can't be angry. And if you're getting angry, then you might as well step back and realize there's some other spirit working with you. Now, Just ask your questions. Keep question. going, Mike. I'm well, loving say, everything you're saying. You're, you're bringing such peace to this conversation. Well, ask your questions about why did Jesus pray to himself? Well, you just gave a great a great answer, that, and that's not one that I had heard growing up. He's demonstrating how to be submissive when you have a spirit in the body, how you are, are, are trying to get your flesh to submit, you know, and you do that through prayer. Then you go again to the Book of Mormon, uh, pick out any um, ether. Ether uh, later on says, uh, In that day they shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared did, that they may become sanctified in me. Then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the unfolding unto them all my revelations, saith Jesus Christ, the Son of God the Father of the heavens and of the earth, and all things that in them are. For behold, I am the Father, I am the light and the life and the truth of the world. You can ask any questions you want, but you also need to read the word here and then ask the questions. Well, maybe you should ask the questions, how could Jesus pray to himself when he says that he's the Father? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you got to bring everything. My, my, I guess... 
what I see when I see this debate and don't understand is again, I don't know. It would be like me sitting down with a math professor and just arguing with him about trigonometry and quantum physics. Yeah. And just to sit there and argue with him and to get real angry. And it's like, but I really don't understand what I'm talking about. So why am I getting so angry? And I don't want to tell people that have had an experience one way or the other that they don't know what they're talking about. But I just know this. If you're angry, then you didn't have an experience from God. Because if you had an experience from God about his nature, you would be so peaceful and full of love and sharing that with other people. Mm. You wouldn't try to put someone up against the wall and say, what are you, you know, you're telling me that this is that. You would be peaceful and full of love. Every testimony, every experience with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit brings peace and love and understanding. And so when an angry spirit rears its head, then I, did, I doubt very seriously any experience you've had about the nature of God. Wow. Because you wouldn't be sharing it with this uh, spirit within you. I just say include all the Word of God. And that's why I like this study that you did because you laid out very clearly um, words in the Old Testament and things that are clarified in the Book of Mormon. And if we know that the Book of Mormon is going to help con- convince the Jew along with the Gentiles, that who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, and that there is one God, then we need to um, at least put aside our thoughts and stuff and just present the scriptures to them. Yeah. Can, can we at least agree to do that? <clears throat> right, and, and not yeah. feel like we have to hide them. Yeah, and here's them. a bunch of scriptures that mm-hmm. talk about the nature of Jesus. This shares light on scriptures that you have in the Old Testament. Now look at what it's saying about that. Does this make, mean anything to you and from where you came from? My guess is that the Lord, uh, given all of the prophecies, they will say, yes, this does. Yeah. You know, when the Lord's spirit moves, it moves. And he he's able to do his work. I just, I think this is wonderful. So, so restoredgospel.com, scripture search site. Instead of clicking on the scripture search at the top, just scroll down on the right. And you also have a link here to that um to that testimony of the Jew we shared last time, the mm-hmm. video it looks mm-hmm. like, so people can uh, they can read and listen to uh, to his testimony, and then you scroll down here, and again it's the uh, Jesus who is Jesus, and you can look at this and print off this handout if you want, and just spend some time with the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to tell you if you, if people get angry over this, then uh, it's not Jesus, it's not God. So well, th- thank you, Mike. That well, you you bring peace to my soul, and I. I have to say that in just talking, you and I here in the studio, um, I feel like I can get a little excited and energetic in a way that I can because, I mean, you're my brother. and We, we talk so much, and right. we, we are, like, passionate about things that sometimes, and I know, you know, if it's ever been in a, in a public situation class or sharing a Sunday talk or something, I, I tell you, it's you, – you mentioned it, Mike – there's this, I don't know why it is this topic, but you just feel the spirit just kind of leave the room if you mm-hmm. if you start opening the scriptures. And is it the hearts of people who've had questions, who've been afraid to understand? I mean, I was I was talking to a man I've known all my life, really, uh, a minister who was like, we were just having a private conversation. This is a couple of years ago. And this is before I'd even really looked into some of this. And he's like, I just want to know who it is. I just want to know what it is. And, and because we've seen people divide over it, Maybe we think that there has to be some hostility or anger, but you're right. That comes from the evil one. And, yeah. it, and if hostility is your response towards someone, it's like, 
my gosh. Yeah. Go, go check your testimony. Like you said. Absolutely. Yeah. But Corey, here it is. Without your passion, without your drive, we don't have, uh, we don't have a podcast. We don't have the knowledge <laughs> of the scriptures that you have. So everybody, um, yeah, I don't fault anybody for getting, I, I, you get excited, you know, and I'm over here like, Hey, bring it down. We just gotta, we gotta slow down <laughs> because number one, I can't keep up with the th- nice thing about podcasts is you can hit replay and go over them again, but it's the passion and drive that, uh, causes you know you to seek out these testimonies and bring this information for other people to hear and so yeah the saints remember that we're we're uh, we're charitable with one another but yeah. when we discuss anything i have to just i have to just um remind myself and others that if that certain spirits start to rear their head then you have to say, uh, like you said, the Holy Spirit's ultra polite, and this is not involving the Holy Spirit. So let's just, mm. we need to shut it down because this is not profitable for the kingdom. Yeah. And so, yeah. but you know who is mighty to save? Mm. Our creator. Yeah. He created us with our little brains, <laughs> with a certain amount <laughs> right. of understanding and capacity. Right. We don't have to beat ourselves up because we don't understand something. Exactly. We, we, we look at the Lord and we say, you know, I'm not one of these guys with 150 IQ, you know, I'm down in the lower. So help me understand God. If I if it's not for me to know right now, he says, for some it's given to have faith, for some it's given to know. If this is not for me to know, Lord, can I be faithful and diligent still in praying to you and seeking you out and and reading your word and making up charts and putting scriptures together so other people can benefit until you reveal to me sure. what I need to know. And I know you're mighty to save, and each day you give me my daily bread. Yeah. You're going to give me what I need to know. So there's no reason to uh, to get uptight if I don't understand something. Right. It's for another day, for another time, grace yeah. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's so true because it's like, I, I've realized if there's any subject at all that you, you don't, you, you don't win, you never win an argument. You just kind of decide someone gives up or whatever. Right. This subject is, is not the one that you, you push because God is personal. He is revealing. He is who he says he is. And he, he reveals himself. And, and you, you don't, you, you know, bully someone into the corner or, or try to prove something one way or the other because this has to be real for everyone, wherever you come from. And, you know, if if your testimony and feeling is is strong that it was his son, well, there's a lot of scriptures that say that, and there that there's, you know, a father who gave his son. There's a lot of meaning and understanding that too, and it's not like God didn't say it that way in scripture. For me personally, and I don't try to use a testimony to say, yeah, but it's true because of my testimony. It's not. I just know this, that most of my life, um, I kind of always saw it the other way. Well, there was a God and he sent his son, and then there's the separate Holy Spirit because I I hear people saying it was that way. Um, I I came to learn in more recent years that, you know, they call it the Trinity. The word Trinity doesn't even appear in any of the three books of Scripture. Not that that's the point, but that was a, a common way we'd describe it. The, the more to the point is that when I when I started just reading the, what the Book of Mormon said, and it was really through this scripture study that we're kind of comparing all these scriptures right here just in the last couple of years, all of a sudden when I saw it this way, and I'd never considered it before, I was almost afraid to approach God in prayer because I wanted to, I, I, I didn't want to ask the real question in my heart saying, God, it was really you? It was really you that was on that cross? 
you know hmm. it was it was not just a good person who was related to you but it was you and it was like all of a sudden my my prayer life changed cuz i was realizing i was praying to my savior who did something more magnificent and huge than anything i could imagine you know and and so a person who has a testimony that's also worth reading is it's it's contained in the book of mormon and it's the brother of jared and you know we we know this story how it begins where he's built these boats and they're dark and he says lord we're going to be kind of dark in this crossing could you help us out here and so he gets the stones and he and god touches the stones but that's a miracle in itself it's a great story but what happens from there is is an amazing revelation that we get in the book of ether he sees his finger and so what happens to the brother of jared when he saw the finger of god he shrinks back and god's like checking him saying you okay what's up and he says i saw your finger and he's like i didn't know you had flesh and blood and so god's response is kind of cool in this situation did you see anything else brother jared (laughs) (laughs) no but you know what he says then and i think this is a, a mystery revealed right here his next words he says show yourself unto me wow right there is that maybe a hint that god is willing to answer all of us in the way he answered brother jared if we simply say lord will you show yourself unto me i mean and maybe we're not going to see jesus in 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 true form in front of us with our eyes open but could he reveal the power of who he is in his heart this whole conversation with the brother of jared starts out as i god right i jehovah i'm the one who's going to touch these stones but when he touches the stones he now says behold i am jesus christ he does the same thing that you mentioned later where he says hey i am the father i'm the son what he's sharing with the brother of jared is he says this he explains two three three big mysteries he's he he introduces himself as god he concludes as jesus christ but he said you are seeing the body that I'm going to inhabit when I come down to the children of men. He said, no one else before has ever seen me with this kind of faith. That's why you're seeing me right now. And he said something else. He said, this is the body of my spirit. So all of a sudden he's, he's saying, I am the God who, who you've been praying to, who you're seeing right now. This is the fleshly form I'm going to take when I walk as a man. So he's saying, he's explaining the father, he's explaining the son. And he explains the Holy Ghost. He said, the spirit that you feel, he said, my spirit moves through this body on the on the earth when I'm in the form of a man. Jesus shares this too in the New Testament. After he tells the disciples, I must go so the Holy Spirit can come, the Comforter will come to you, right? He says, I need to leave so the Comforter can come. That John 15, but in John 14, he said, don't worry, I will come to you. See, even in the New Testament, Jesus claims he's that spirit too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's... It's powerful how, how um, clearly the Book of Mormon reveals these things to us. But it's there for the asking, just like the brother of Jared. Will we say, God, show yourself unto me too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I can say is, is just like today when I, didn't, I just wanted to read the Scriptures, it's because when I go through these Scriptures and I read about Jesus and his magnificence, it's almost to me, Corey, it's like it's like the winter months where you just put this blanket on, you start a fire in the corner and you snuggle up and you just feel comforted 
these scriptures surround me like that and they just make me feel comforted. Mm, and yeah. I know there's something within mm. me that relates to them, that I was created by something else and that this is bringing comfort to me. I can't explain the ins and outs, but I also know what makes me feel like someone just comes by in the morning, rips those covers off and you're freezing in the house, 50 degrees. You're like, what just happened? And that's the anger and stuff that rears its head when we try to, it's, it's like there's a spirit that's trying to blackmail us or trying to keep us from ever going farther in our understanding of our creator. You mm. know, it's like, Nope, don't go there. Don't, mm. I don't want you coming closer. We're just going to get you angry with each other. And, um, we should all be free to seek out our creator and to sit at his feet, you know, like we started talking about. And that's, I don't know. I, I, my only advice is just keep reading the word and praying. But, um, you know, you can't pray because you have any ounce of pride. You just can't do it out of pride or trying to prove anybody. It just has to be a simple, sincere prayer of, I will give up everything to know you. Wow. You know, that's just, that's how we come to him. That's the got to be the premise, you know, is our desire. Why are you coming to me? Why are you trying to learn this to prove other people? Um, or to just know me, to just be with right. me. And that's right. it. Sit at his feet, you know. Oh, man. That was a, that was a, <laughs> that was a good one, buddy. Yeah. So I would encourage people, don't be afraid to just go read about your creator. And you know what? He is mighty to save. He created you. He created our brains. He is able to help us understand what we need to know. And he says, pray every day. Give us this day our daily bread. He will enlighten our minds with what we need to know and for the time that we need to know it. Trust him on that. Trust him on that. Anything else, brother? No, I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, just bringing just peace to this conversation and some really good advice for us to all walk in. Yeah. Until next time. And then with this, we, this we mean there is nothing more important to remember. We are walking each other home. We are all heading back. And whether you want to kneel down and be at the feet of your creator or not, you're going to end up there at one point in time. And uh, we need to be kind to one another and help each other get there on good terms, right? Amen. Yeah. Hope these are a blessing to you. Share them with your friends. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>